the central figure among the disciples is Peter. Uh, Peter so often is, is kind of front and center when we talk about the disciples, and it's no different here. So we pick up Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone he was the Messiah. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that we would have open hearts and open spirits to your word to us today. Challenged in our faith. Called in our faithfulness to live out the gospel. Bless these moments that we share. And we pray that they would always honor you and lift up the name of Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now these seven verses have so much meat. So much power in them that it, it is impossible to do a sermon on, on this entire text. There's just too much happening here. One of the, the focuses of, of Matthew 16, 13 through 20 that, that often draws the attention of, of teachers and preachers and those who study the scripture is that central question that Jesus asked. Not who do others say that I am. That's the question that he leads with. Who do others say I am? But as he turns in, in their, their, their responses, he, he kind of focuses their responses down. He looks at his disciples and he asks them that question that I think all of us have to answer. It is the, the, the fundamental question of faith. And it is this, who do you say that I am? That I think is one of the most important texts in the Gospels for personal application. Because that is a question we all have to answer. That is a question that Jesus poses to the disciples and that the Holy Spirit continues to pose to each of us. It is a foundational question of faith. Who do you say that I am? And on into that moment, Peter steps up. Into that question, Peter steps up. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter makes this profound and powerful declaration of faith. I think we can spend a lot of time even exploring the fact whether Peter fully understood yet what he was saying. And I don't think that he did. I don't know how many of us fully understand the power of that declaration. But, it, but he believes it. It's true. It's, it's what he knows to be the, the identity of this teacher that he's followed for these years. 
But it's the response that Jesus gives that I want to, to pull our attention to this morning. It's, it's how Jesus responds to, to that declaration of faith. And I want to focus on two phrases. And I'll actually, I want to take them in reverse order this morning. That Jesus says to Peter after Peter's declaration of faith. And the first is this. I will build my church. I will build my church. Now I start with that because as we talk about, we celebrate church today. We, I mean, we do that every time we worship. This isn't a, a one, one-off for us. But we celebrate this, this gathering and this, this day started a few years ago as, as an opportunity for us to celebrate being Parish United Methodist Church and, and, and what God is and was and will be doing in the life of our church. But, but it is always important for us to remember the, the power of that phrase that Jesus speaks, I will build my church. Why do I focus on that? Because there is a danger that pastors fall into. There is a, a danger that leaders sometimes fall into. There's a, a danger that, 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 that members of a church can fall into. Is that we sometimes forget, as crazy as this sounds, whose work this ultimately is. We forget, and again, I will go back to pastors because we sometimes are the worst at this. We forget that the church is not dependent upon any one of us. It is not dependent upon any one of us. Christ says, I will build my church. People ask me sometimes, are you worried about the future of the church? Well, of course, I, I spend a lot of time concerned about the faithfulness of the church. I spend a lot of time focused on how do we and how do I be obedient to Christ's call. But I will tell you, I am not now, nor will I ever be worried about the future of the church. I may not know what that future is going to look like, but I don't worry about it because Christ says, I will build it. If it was dependent upon us, I'd be very worried. Right? I mean, if this was all on us, if it's like, hey, we were the, the key ingredient, then I'd be freaked out. But Christ says, I'll build the church. And here's what I've learned. And I say this respectfully. That I have been in ministry long enough now to see people come and go in the life of a church. People leave churches all the time. Sometimes they move away. Sometimes we lose people that we love in the, to, to, to going into God's kingdom, to passing on from life temporary to life eternal. Sometimes people leave because they get mad at the pastor or they get mad at the other people. I mean, there's just a number of reasons people leave churches. And I've seen people leave churches that were instrumental in ministry, that, that did so many wonderful things that, that I, I can remember sitting around talking to people going, gosh, how are we going to replace them? Now, you don't. Sometimes you feel the loss when somebody goes. But here's what I've learned. God always raises up the next person. God raises up the next person. There is not an individual 
in any church I've ever served, starting with me, that the church couldn't live without. That's not to say the church wouldn't miss. Again, hear, hear the difference. But the church and the ministry goes on because it's not about any of us. Christ says, I will build my church. And we need to remember that all that we do and all that we are is meant to reflect the glory of the one who is the, the architect, the designer, the one whose power is at work creating this gathering of people he calls church. I will build my church. Now, with that said, here's what seems to be the contradiction. Because while I say the church is not dependent upon any one of us, the church needs all of us. Now, do you hear that? Now, I, I want you to the church is not dependent upon any one of us, but God has called all of us. And that's the second part of this phrase. Because it's actually the first part of the phrase, but if I go in reverse order, on this rock. Jesus says, I will build my church. But as he looks at Peter, after Peter's confession, he says, on this rock, I will build my church. And that is such a powerful and such a deep phrase because what Jesus is declaring is as the foundation of the church, what is the, the ingredients that he is going to use to build this movement? And what we do is, is well, there's a tendency to look at that and we think what he's saying is Peter is the rock that I'm going to build the church. And there's some, because Peter means, or, or Petra means rock. But, but I think, honestly, that's a misreading. I don't think, I think Peter's a, 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 obviously the, 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 the figure that is, is primary in the birth of the church. We go to Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4 when the Holy Spirit comes and Peter's front and center. And certainly Peter is, is identified as that, that central and, and most prominent figure in the, the birth and the mission of the early church. And then, of course, it would move to Paul and to others. But, but I don't think that, that, that Jesus is saying that, in fact, we know that Jesus is not saying Peter's the rock. In fact, that'd be contradictory to most of Scripture, which over and over testifies that the rock is Christ. What Jesus is saying is the rock is the confession. See, without getting too detailed here, there's very important subtle nuances in the Greek. And, and that's an important thing to know because Peter is Petros. But the word for rock that Jesus uses here is Petra, and it means big rock. How many of you have ever been to Stone Mountain in Georgia? Really? That's all? Man, you guys got to travel more. Uh, Stone Mountain is a big rock, right? Okay, I should turn around. Choir, choir's got me. Thank you. Big rock. It's a very special rock for me. That's where um, Tony and I got engaged. We did it, I did it on the, stop, on the top of Stone Mountain. I always told her, I said, that way if she said no, I was going to jump. So, um, <laughs> but, but, so that, that's a very special place. So, so, so this big rock, that's where I gave her a little rock. But, um, <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's Petra, big, big rock. Now, what is Jesus saying? 
that the rock in which the church is built are those who make the confession that Peter makes. And what's that confession? You are the Messiah. The rock in which Jesus builds the church certainly is the rock. He's the rock. He's the cornerstone. He's the foundation. But it is built upon the bricks, if you will, of the men and women like Peter and those who would follow who confess Jesus Christ is Lord, Philippians 2. Uh, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, Romans, if we confess with our lips, believe with our hearts that Christ is Lord, we will be saved. Jesus puts the church, and this is what's crazy, he puts the church in our hands. He's the architect, he's the builder, but he does it on the backs, on the investment, if you will, of men and women who confess him as Lord and Savior. And that's nuts because we mess up a lot. Right? Somebody, somebody asked me recently, they said, what's, the, what's your favorite part of being a pastor? And I said, I said oh, it's, it's I get to work with so many different people. I mean, that's one of my favorite things. I get to work with you. And they said, well, what's the hardest part of being a pastor? And I said, oh, it's I have to work with so many different kind of people. <laughs> it can both be the greatest joy and the greatest frustration because we are faithful and sometimes we're, we're fallen. That's what I love about Peter here. That's what I love about Peter because that's Peter. Peter is abundantly and often so faithful but he is also at times so fallen he he is the one who will stand in acts as i mentioned before the city of jerusalem and declare the resurrection of jesus christ he's the man who days before denied he knew him He's the man who is instrumental in the, the birth of the church and yet the one who took so long to fully understand that the church was for all people. He and Paul didn't always get along. He was hot-headed, temperamental. Sometimes he gave in to peer pressure. I mean, these are all truths of the character of Peter. I love that because we are all that. We seek and our, our heart's desire can be to be faithful, but we're not, we're certainly not perfect. We're fallen too. And the church sometimes sways under our struggle to be obedient. In fact, I, I was reading this the other day. Um, somehow, I, I was in New York City last summer. I've, I've talked about that. I missed that the second tallest building in New York City, I thought, was the Empire State Building. Uh, after one, one World Center was built, I thought it was Empire State Building. It's not. There's an apartment building that was finished in 2015 that is actually the second tallest building in New York City. It's the third in the United States. I think it's 432 Park Avenue is the address of, of the building. It is 93 feet wide, 84 flights high, 84 stories high. And on windy days, that building sways five to six feet. They, yeah, exactly. They, I read somewhere they said that they advise, I don't know how true this is, but they, that they advise that if you're prone to seasickness, don't be up at the top of the building. I don't need to be in the top of a building 14,000 feet high that sways five to, or 1,400 
1,400, yeah, that's right, yeah, 14,000, that'd be a little ridiculous. 1,400 feet high, that, um, that sways five to six feet. The uh, one, tr- world, one, tra- one World Trade Center sways about that, you know that? That's cra- or maybe, maybe it's about three feet. The um, building in Saudi Arabia, uh, Burk, Burk Khalifa, something like that, yeah, which is twice as high, that's crazy. That building is 2,700 feet high. And that sways five to six feet. That's just absurd to me. But here's the thing. They're not worried about it. Why? Because the foundation's sure. The foundation's true. They're not worried about the wind blowing it over. They, they know, they know, they know. I don't know if I know, but I, they say they know that it's, it's secure. Well, I, I thought about that as an image of the church a little bit. We do sway. We're not always as, as rooted as we ought to be. But when the foundation is on Christ, when the confession is Christ, Messiah, Son of God, we stand. We stand. And God accomplishes His will even through the imperfect people that He chooses. And that is us. On this rock, on this confession, on the, 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 the investment of the lives of men and women like Peter and the others, who confess the Lordship of Christ, I will build my church. I will build on your faithfulness. And that's the truth that Christ continues to speak. That's, that's the work the church continues to be invested in. On the, on the backs, on the investment of faithful people who have confessed Christ as Lord, God builds his church. Universal. And that's what we celebrate here. God's work in building his church through the investment of our lives together in serving the one who we confess as Lord and Savior. And, and that's, that's important to, to, to focus today because we, we are kind of, um, we're doing a, 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 not a launch, but a, we're sharing today and in these next few weeks some exciting things that are starting to take shape in the life of the church. Things that you've heard us talk about for a couple years. In fact, it was about this time two years ago that we put together a, a building committee to start to explore where God's leading us. And for two years, and, and we, we've met together and, and members that, that you um, appointed through a charge conference have met together and, and studied and prayed and, and dreamed, where, what's God doing? And what we're excited about all morning, but especially in this next worship service, is that we are going to be out on the very ground that we believe and, and trust to be the location of the next worship center on Parish United Methodist Church. We, we are out there because we believe that's where God's going. And this morning, as you leave, you have an opportunity. Now, you don't have to pick these up, but we have um, reports, if you will, kind of, kind of a newsletter that's available to you that updates what the team has been doing and where the church is and where we see God leading us in the next phase of building. This was actually a part of the dream in the 90s when these buildings were first started. We're continuing that work 
And it's not imminent. We're not about to break ground. There's still a lot to do, okay? So, so let me kind of be clear. We're not, it's not about, you're not going to come in next week and start to see stakes in the ground. There's, there's, there's work to be done, and there's decisions to be determined, and there's, there's uh, opportunities for us to, to step into. But, but the point of that is, is to update you on, on what is going on and the opportunity before us. So when you leave today, in the back, the, there are those packets. But if you get our newsletter via email, it's going to be coming to you that way. So you don't have to get these. In fact, we don't really have enough for everybody to take one. Um, today, though we have, we have a lot, so don't, don't let that discourage you. But if you get an, an email, you're going to get this. And the idea is to share with where we're going in building. But this is why I wanted to focus on this text this morning. Because whatever happens out there, that's not building the church. Okay, I want you to hear me say that. That is not building the church. That is building a facility that we can where we can be the church, but it's not building the church. The church is built by Christ on the investment of the lives of men and women who are committed to living out the reality that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, that are committed to living out the call of Christ on our lives. So the whole reason we are at this place, the whole reason that we're having to talk about these things and explore these opportunities is not because of bricks and mortar and and buildings and structures. It's because of the celebration of what God is doing in the lives of those of this church community that have committed to living out the reality that he is Messiah, Son of God. And so what do we celebrate? What will we celebrate? What we want a facility to be is a launching pad. Want to be a springboard in which people gather not for the sake of coming together, not for the sake of, of being entertained or hearing just a, a message or enjoying music. All of those things can happen. But the point is to be a launching pad in which we can continue to be a community of faith that impacts the world. That we can continue to be a community of faith that reaches out into our community and beyond and makes it different for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's what Jesus calls us to. That's what building the church means. And so we celebrate those things today and we look forward to what is to coming at what is to come. And, and, and you know, it's impossible to name everything. But when we started this a few years ago, initially the idea, the initial idea behind Celebration Sunday was to do a volunteer appreciation. That's what we were going to do. We were, just, we were going to do a meal and a celebration of those who volunteered in ministry. Here was our problem. We started to count up who that would be. Seriously, this is awesome. We started to sit there and go, okay, how many people would we have to prepare for to do a volunteer? And we started looking at our ministries, our impact ministries, uh, thrift stores, volunteers. We started looking at the people that volunteer on Sunday mornings, ushers and greeters, choir, praise bands. Uh, people, uh, our volunteers that, that prepare communion or the gathering place, our Sunday school teachers, our nursery workers. We looked at our, our mission teams, our, uh, things that we have now like um, Operation Christmas Child and, and mission team to Ecuador. We looked at congregational care folks who, who reached out or served, those who volunteered at, at funerals to help be a blessing to families. Stephen ministers, those who make prayer blankets. 
uh, I'm, I'm starting to scramble now because I'm going to forget people and I don't want to do that. But there are so many ways that people got involved. This is what happened. We had over 400 people. We're like, well, heck with this. Let's just do a church celebration. <laughs> it was two-thirds of the congregation. Now, not everybody volunteers as, right, you know, we look like, let's use the choir. I mean, every week, these faithful folks are up here. Some people volunteer as they're able and here and there. And that's, that's okay. But we're like, that's, that's the church. That's the church. Our, our, our food pantry folks that are here and our hot meals and, and our um, pack-a-sack. That's the church. That's who we're called to be. That's what Jesus says, I will build. It's not this. This matters. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to discourage, you know, and say that that doesn't matter. But it only matters if it becomes a springboard. If, if our worship and our life together becomes a catalyst for us to go out and be the church. To be who Christ has called us to be. We are so blessed and so thankful, and I am so overjoyed when I see the ways that God works through us to make a difference and to bless others. That's the church on this rock, on the investment of the lives of men and women who confess Jesus Christ as Lord, I will build my church. My sisters, that's who we're called to be. That's what we celebrate. I am thankful to be in ministry with you, but I am so thankful that the rock on which this ministry is built is Christ Jesus. I am so thankful that the instruments that he uses are the lives of so many of you that step in and get involved and make a difference. That's what it means to be the church. I pray that whatever facilities look like, that the barometer, that the measuring stick, the impact we make is felt far beyond the acres that we gather on. That's who we're called to be. On this rock, I will build my church. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we, we thank you that you use us. We thank you that you call us. We thank you that you lead us forward into ministry and service and and to the opportunities to make a difference i pray that will be our identity as church not facilities but impact because you are the architect you are the responsible builder we are the instruments that you use help us to accept that and to live into that with thankfulness and with gratitude and with joy because that is who we are called to be. We pray it in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord, Messiah, living Son of God. And let the people of God say, Amen.